The goal, explain the 1990s in exactly 60 songs. The result, we did it. I'm Rob Arvilla. I host 60 songs that explain the 90s, which has indeed covered 60 fantastic songs thus far from Tupac to Radiohead to TLC. So let's do 30 more. Let's do 90 songs. No, we're not changing the name. More rad songs, more special guests, more astute critical analysis, more loopy nostalgic exuberance. That's 60 songs that explain the 90s every Wednesday only on Spotify. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am alright, thanks man. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, you sound like you've had a weekend. I have had a wonderful weekend. It was actually, it wasn't a wild one, it was just very peaceful. Oh, that's nice. And sometimes when you have a peaceful weekend, you're more tired than if you had a really wild Yeah. One. You need the vacation to get over the vacation. Kind of well, yeah, I just had a really, well, I had a really, really busy week in the UK and then I had quite a busy week at the end of this week like quite quite I had a lot on quite intense couple of weeks work couple of days work so when it came to the weekend my body was just like okay you're doing nothing so I just had an all day barbecue with a friend and that was it sounds amazing yeah yeah it was good good time I didn't amazing. eat the entire day so, sorry <laughs> I was hasten to it yeah, yeah. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe staying well wherever you are in the world um, just a quick bit of admin um, don't forget to check Counterpressed for the detailed breakdown of a big, big weekend in the WSL. Yeah, huge. Big games at the top of the table. I mean, on that, we can just give uh, give a quick shout out to Manchester United for beating Manchester City in the derby. Mm. Um, uh, there was a stoppage time winner and uh, Chelsea beating Arsenal 2-0. Yeah. Comfortable for Chelsea. But uh, that's pretty much, game. yeah, pretty much. So the title goes down to the final game, but that's pretty much secured because of the Manchester United Man City result. Pretty much secured Champions League for Arsenal, um, which is a, a pretty, considering all the injuries, it's a pretty good season. But go check Counterpressed for a more detailed breakdown on that. And we'll also be talking about it on Wright's House. Flo and I will be on Wright's House with Ian. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We'll probably talk a little bit about the Premier League. I might talk, talk a bit of golf because Brooks Kepka yes. won a major. What a comeback. Won the PGA Championship. So we, yeah. might, we might talk a little bit about that. Um, especially after our, the chat that you, me and Ian had about. And after he had Brooks a really Kepka. strong Masters. He's really, yeah. you know, after the talk of him in that documentary Man. maybe being done. He's back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so go check that on Wrighty's House on Tuesday. Uh, you and I will be back later in the week with Stadio. We will. And there'll be another Wright's House this week. There'll be a little bit of a change in schedule next week. We're going to go Wright's House on Monday after the final day of the Premier League season for a bit more of a an overview or a kind of look back on the Premier League season, some of the talking points. So if, obviously Man City clinched the title over the weekend, but it's been on the cards for a few weeks now. So if we don't go into it in too much detail today, it's because we'll either do it on Wright's House after the final game of the season, or we might do it on our stand, Stadio kind of season debrief. Mm. Um, other bits of admin, check the ringer.com. Check the Stadio Archers plays on Spotify. And I think that's uh, all the admin. Mm. Today we're going we're gonna to focus on some Bundesliga stuff. I'm going to talk a bit about the Premier League. But um, I have to start off with a couple of really, really horrible bits of news yep. in the world of football this weekend. First of all, I'm taking this from an athletic piece about the news. An El Salvador stadium crush leaves 12 dead and 100 hospitalised. Mm. Um, 
which is awful, awful news. A first division game between Alianza and Club Deportivo FAS at, um, at the Chris Catlin Stadium in the capital of San Salvador was stopped in the 21st minute as authorities attended to supporters. The match was later abandoned. Uh, Luis Alonso Amaya, who is the director in civil, of civil protection of El Salvador, said that 12 people had died with more than 100 people taken to hospital. Awful, awful news. Mm. Um, thoughts, obviously, with anyone affected, all the people who lost, anyone who lost their life, any loved ones, friends, family. That's awful, awful, awful news. Yeah, very grim. And there's going to be questions, of course, about stadium access. Um, mm. Just some comments um, coming out. Uh, one from a fan talking about there being not enough gates open for them to get into the stadium. So there's going to be a lot of talk about stadium access and security in the weeks to come. There'll be a pretty grim review, I'm sure, to come out of it. But in the short term, everyone affected. Um, obviously, thoughts to everyone. That's a yeah, pretty, so horrifying, pretty horrifying outcome. Uh, we go to La Liga. Yes. Where... Yeah, Barcelona lost their game against Real Sociedad yeah. at home, but it didn't matter because they'd already won the league. Um, Atleti secured their grip on second place. The main news of the weekend, though, unfortunately, came in uh, Real Madrid's defeat away at Valencia, mm. um, where Vinicius Jr. was subjected to yet more racial abuse for, I mean, I can't actually recall how many times this has happened this season, especially in La Liga. Mm. Um, and he was later sent off in stoppage time at the end of the game. The game which had, what, 15 minutes added time at the end because the, of the pause in play because of Vinicius pointing out people in the crowd who were racially abusing him. Mm. Uh, the game was stopped. The referee enacted the racism protocol, which meant that announcements were made and the game was threatened to be stopped if the chance didn't stop and uh, he was later sent off for kind of I mean it was what slapping an opponent technically Duro yeah but the thing is it just it was it's funny how Ancelotti actually tied his behaviour at the end of the game to everything like Vinicius, he actually came out and said, look, his reaction was understandable. The way that Ancelotti handled this was an example of how a manager should back a player in a situation like this. Where he, he went can, really he, far in his comments, he, didn't he? He went yeah, really, he really far pu- in what he pulled he up the journalists yeah. after the game. He said, oh, what, you want to talk about the game? Or do you want to talk about that? He corrected a journalist who suggested that the chants that were being made weren't racial, they were something else. Um, and also his demeanour on the touchline, he looked, Phil Kutcher-Melidis did a piece on La Liga TV afterwards. And he made note of this as well. That Ancelotti looked genuinely affected to the point where he, I feel like, I, it looked like it was one of those where Ancelotti was like, I might have to take these off. You know when you can, you know when some, you see someone's be, like demeanour change because they're actually faced with a situation where they're like, this has to, like something has to happen here. You consider how, and this is, well, you know, we're trying to treat this as the admin. We don't want to get too much into it as a main story, but if you consider how many black players Ancelotti not only works with, but respects. There's obviously a difference. And the platforms he gives them at Madrid during all of this, right? If you think about that, you know, Chiromeni, Alaba, Militao, all of them, Vinicius, obviously just a ton of them. Like there's times when he'll start a game with like, you know, four or five black players. For him, it's like, it's about quality. That is the ethos that he's always managed by. And to be confronted with this situation, and you know, this is the most extreme I've heard Ancelotti in terms of his condemnation. I've never heard him like this. You know, he normally is quite sanguine, but this is not he's he wasn't passive sang- guy, doesn't not passive, but, but, but this, very, yeah, like, but, yeah, calm, he's yeah. very, very but this the act like the anger, the entire, anger yeah, an entire stadium. He said, What we saw today is unacceptable. He said, an entire stadium chanting racist slurs. When have you ever heard a manager say that? Like normally they talk about our oh, significant minority. Isolated event. Like, foolish yeah, minority. Yeah, this is like Ancelotti is like going all in. No, good. Like La Liga has a problem. For me, Vinicius is the most important player in the, in the world. These episodes of racism have to stop the match. And I think what he means by most important, I think he also means that the context of you know, what he's going through. And look what he's come through. Look at Vinicius three seasons ago, just on a football note, the man scored what? Six and 50 games. Six and 50. injury, didn't he as well? Six and 50, awfully injury. And Benzema was not convinced, you know, brother, he's not helping us the favourite quote. Like, <laughs> he was not convinced that Vinicius was the guy to actually take them somewhere. 
And if you look what he's done in the last two years, what he's turned around, one of the most respected and feared in, you know, in the positive sense, wide forwards in world football, outstanding. And he's here talking about this. And it's quite frightening because he's really young. And I, I don't know, there's not many precedents. This is what worries me about. And this is the thing, like Infantino came out and talked about protocols and um, fining. And, but the scary thing about this, just very briefly, is what's scary about this in the context where we are in society, like politically, whatever, this feels new. We've yeah. seen racist chants before. We've seen players get racist chants, but at the start of someone's career, and for them to be targeted for stuff that is pretty minor, right? Like, yeah. if you consider what Vinicius has really done to ignite this level of anger, like, all he's really done is behave like a TikTok star, like dancing and nothing new, nothing, nothing compared to what Neymar did. He's just a professional footballer. He's a professional yeah. footballer who's young, who's like, he's a winger. He's a, he's a, he's a flashy winger. There have been endless, endless flashy wingers who have not been given the stick that Vinicius Jr., has. Now, this is what I want to say, and I don't want to, I don't want to go too long on it, right? This is why I think there's actually something in what Vinicius said about, he makes comments on his Twitter about a country with, you know, with a racism problem, a country where there were racist, you know, serious amount of racists. And I think what he's pointed at there is actually really important because this is a societal shift. Like, yep. this is what worries me about it. It's not just something in the stadium because it's something that's been normalized at a societal level. In the same way that in the UK, we had our problems with taking the knee and all of that, right? That wasn't just a problem in the stadiums. That was a problem that people were taking into stadiums to like air a wider societal grievance. And that's why I'm concerned for him because I think it's something bigger than what's happening on match day. And I say, I I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not finger pointing at different countries because the UK, we, you know, we're going through that at the moment. No, but we're talking about, this is a, this is a thing that is going on in Spain currently at this level. So we're talking about this currently in Spain, but yeah, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, like no one who listens to this podcast <laughs> will for one second think that we are ignoring the problems of the country of our birth, Musa, because... Someone said we talk about them too much. Someone said we're too woke. You knew what this was. If they knew this was, they didn't. I don't know, man. I think that there's been, just anecdotally or, or whatever, I, th- I, f- I feel that there's been a shift in the last couple of years in terms of the brazenness of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Really, really, really horrific behaviour has become normalised at a, like a top level. Yes. Purely the language used by government ministers in the UK compared that used to be even four or five years ago was the language of the fringe. Mm. And I feel that when you have this kind of thing operating or when, when you have this kind of thing occurring on a governmental level, yeah, then normal people are going to be emboldened to say some really and do some really horrific shit yeah. in public more regularly because they feel like there are zero consequences for it. And we actually, and, and before we move on from this, because we didn't want to make it a brief item, but very quickly, um, the fact that Tebas, the head of the Spanish FA, came straight out. And the first thing he did on Twitter was to say, you didn't come to two meetings where we asked you to discuss how we can challenge racism. It's not Vinicius' responsibility. Fuck, it, well, fuck Tebas. Sorry, well, sorry, say, fuck Tebas. Can I, say, can, I, can, I add to, can I add to your um, very concise assessment, which I also, with which I concur, with, with what Tebas said, the whole point that Vinicius was making was, I am not in the rooms where the racists get the confidence to go yeah. out there and abuse me. So why are you trying to bring me into it? Like, you, you know more, Tebas knows more about those rooms where that hatred is generated than Vinicius will ever know. That's the whole point of all of this, just to make clear. Like, he's a professional footballer who, unless people forget, scored the winner in the last Champions League final. That is literally what he did. Like that is, that is a man who should be at the peak of the footballing world and enjoying it and all that comes with it. That's literally where he should be. And he's being, sent to, he's being sent off because he's losing his temper in matches that don't matter, in matches that don't matter because this is taking him to boiling point. I'm not condoning his overreaction. His, I'm not, I'm just saying that like, that's, the, that's Vinicius' first sending off. And it came after a game, after a series of months and weeks where he was provoked to the point of just losing himself as a footballer. That is, that is alarm bells ringing for everyone. I cannot imagine what that must have been like for him this year. Right. The consequences of, Rena- of um, Vinicius being forced out of La Liga. And that, that's the thing. His tweet was interesting. I will never stop. I'll never let them win, even if that's far from here. Yeah. The comment in the rest of the end of his tweet was just basically implying that if this gets, as I saw it, if this gets worse, I'm, I can do my thing. I can go and do other things. What the consequences of that for Madrid, like how that would affect their fan base, who obviously adore him, how that would affect 
Spanish football, but also Spanish society. Let's actually bring that in. Like what this is, if you're looking at how that man is treated, right? We're told about being the good immigrant and you get there and you do your thing and you mind your business. Like the mood is definitely more extreme because I remember people doing cockroach celebrations. They weren't, didn't go after them like that, right? Like when they scored goals. So actually, if you look at this now, to force out the most successful young black immigrant for the most popular game, most popular team in Madrid, like in Spain, to force them out of the country because of racism, what the, the impact on Spanish society of that, if that is a thing that happens, will be vast, it'll be incalculable. Honestly, like imagine in the UK if someone forced someone out because of like, basically everyone was so racist that like someone had to leave the country. The impact on society of that, not only for that footballer, but for what people thought, going actually, oh, that's the country where someone got forced out because no one protected them. I mean, if they can force them out, who else can they force out? I mean, it's not how, I don't think it's happened on a footballing level, but I mean, there was literally a referendum about some that people were voting in a similar exactly. way. Exactly. Look ago. how that, look what that's done to the UK. It's made some of the, some of the discourse is toxic. And, yeah. it's, and, and a lot of this stuff is just, I look around, I don't want to kind of go too down on, on it, but it is that serious. It is that serious. I look, I was watching the, the Valencia game and I was just looking at Vinicius and I was looking at, like everyone kind of gets getting swept up in it. Mm. And this, this echoes a lot of thoughts that I've had about stuff in kind of wider society. I was just like, where the fuck does this actually end? Right, right. Where does well. it end? Because I just assumed that we, as a, as a society and as human beings, maybe wrongly, maybe naively, I just assumed we were kind of better than this. I think periodically we are, and then periodically we're not. I think periodically we're better than this, and periodically we're, we're far worse. And I think we're in a period of time, unfortunately, and I hate to, look, we've, We'll talk actually when this podcast is finished about other stuff that happened this weekend, right? Like, because it's not for the podcast, I'm just saying this, there is some extremely racist stuff happening in Europe right now. And it's extremely mm. concerning. In fact, no, let me just be frank. I shouldn't be going for walks and seeing people wearing far right insignia in my neighborhood. This has happened three times in the last two weeks. Three times in the last two weeks, I've been in my neighborhood and I've seen people wearing far right insignia in my neighborhood. These are people who do not think I'm human. This is extremely dangerous. And I know it sounds dramatic to say all this, but I'm just saying, because I want to put a pin in it, because stuff may get worse or it will get worse if people don't be vigilant about this stuff. Um, but it's extremely concerning. And it's new because I've seen, like, I've been in Berlin for eight, nine years. I've, I've seen a lot of stuff here. This is new. The intensity of this is new. And I'm just saying it now. On a footballing level, the authorities, again, I feel like if I had a, a euro for every time that we'd said something like this on the podcast, we could have retired and bought a yacht. Exactly. But players need to be protected far more than they are being protected at the moment. And people like Tebas and other presidents, heads of leagues, heads of, heads of authorities are still not doing enough. And they have had ample warning, ample opportunities to do the right thing. And they are still absolutely 100% half-stepping. Yeah. No player should have been put through this. No player should be put through this now. Can I say, just before we move on, because it would be really nice to talk about some football um, and not to have to deal with, you know, I'm sure Vinicius would much rather just talk about football and deal with it, but unfortunately he's not in that position, doesn't have luxury. Um, before we move on from this, I just want to shout out every teammate, every fan, and every member of Spanish society that has stood up for this who's actually heard stuff and spoken up, who's heard stuff yeah. in the cafe, in the bar, dinner table, uh, from the racist uncle, auntie, parent, um, sibling. I want to just shout out every single person who's actually made the effort not to go, oh my God, I should have said that, but actually did it, said it, actually stepped up. I want to just say to all those people who are doing that work, that I see you and I thank you because there are those that have done that for me here and it's one of the reasons I'm still here. Um, and there are those who are not doing that work and I want them to examine why they're not doing it, because it's not good enough. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. 
You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. All right, man. So shall we talk about some football? Let's talk about some football. Where do you want to go? Do you know what? Actually, weirdly enough, the Bundesliga was so big this week. So big. We should get there. We should go with the Bundesliga, you know. Yeah. I mean, like we said, we're going to talk about Manchester City more in terms of their title win in the after the, the episode after the final round of Premier League games next week. But, you know, obviously, congratulations to Pep. Congratulations to Man City. They sealed the title this weekend. They did, yeah. Um, but we'll touch we'll touch on that a little bit later as yes. well. But let's do the, the Bundesliga because Bayern Munich lost 3-1 at home to uh, RB Leipzig after being 1-0 up. Yes, and, and actually could have been two nil up. Yeah, and this time Dortmund didn't fumble it. No, beat Augsburg away, and are going into the final rounds of Bundesliga fixtures with a home game against Mainz. That if they win, they will be. Can we even say it? I mean. They might be champions. You don't want to say I'm it. Sorry, they might it. be champions. You don't want to say it. And if they do win the championship, it will be deserved. Yeah. Because the manner in which they responded to the defeat against Bayern has been extremely impressive. You know, they did draw the Bochum game, but even in that game, they could have had a penalty. They should, they have, they should have had a penalty. They and, even had an apology from the league about that. And even the, the, you know, the, the way they came out and beat Wolfsburg, who are not a soft touch, extremely impressive victory over Wolfsburg. And, you know, with Freiburg and the chasing pack, um, and I'm sorry, with, with, with Leipzig and the chasing pack, Leipzig being brilliant, Dortmund really just took the initiative. And I think there was an, an element of, if we just keep getting the points, Leipzig could get us something because the form Leipzig have been in, in a couple of games recently, it's been spectacular. We saw them in the cup against Freiburg, you know, that was not a fluke. And this is a classic thing. If you look at the run of like Leipzig performances recently, and Nkunku in particular, the return of Nkunku has been huge. He's supercharged that attack. And this is the thing that Kimmich said. Kimmich said, we have a habit of, we get a lead early and we don't close it out, which implies for me a collective problem with an individual one. We don't have that match control. And Leipzig came at them. They gave, and you, you saw actually the equaliser was a classic example. It really illustrated Kimmich's point perfectly. Mm. Almost like a kind of um, a fragile centre in Bayern. Yeah. So the, the, the goal comes, um, Lima gets uh, his goal in a beautiful counter-attack. And, the moment the ball breaks near the edge of the box, there are two Bayern players in a position to win 50-50s and they both lose it. And that right there was so interesting, what Kimmich is referring to in terms of the core of that team. And, you know, Leon Goretzka, in a play I'm a huge fan of, there was almost a kind of symbolism in him being sprawled in the Leipzig mm. box as Leipzig made the counter. And by the time Leipzig score their goal, there's very few defensive players in the, back in the Bayern area. And yeah. to me, that was just so kind of symptomatic of like, if you want to like encapsulate the Bayern season, the counterattack for the Leipzig equaliser, it just says everything that's gone wrong in that squad of that club this year. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And um, two penalties for Leipzig. Mm. Well earned. Sealed it. Can say well that. Earned. Well earned, yeah. And Kunku yeah. doing work on Pavard. <laughs> yeah, but poor Pavard. Pavard was like, oh, I was just, I was just kind of repairing my rep. <laughs> The latest challenge of the entire weekend, okay, there were some late tackles, there were some red cards in the mm. Bundesliga, but the latest tackle of the entire weekend came from Heidi Klum on Instagram, where she apparently <laughs> called for the sacking of Salah Hamidzic. No way. <laughs> well, in an Instagram story, she was like, oh, like maybe, um, maybe, he, should, uh, maybe he should go after this. <laughs> to 10 million followers. <laughs> if Julian Nagelsmann could be fired for being in with a treble in April, then I think Salah Hamazic and Oliver Kahn could could easily be fired for their part in this. They've match. turned the Bayern season into a clown car. Honestly, man, they've they've been moving extremely strangely. Right? They look, they looked, I've never seen two executives of a football club look so much like naughty school children. Do you know what they yeah. look like? You know, you know, when you've got like young cousins who go quiet for like a few hours. And like, oh, where are they? You know. Where are Anna and Jeremy? Where are they? Where are they? And you go upstairs, everyone's gone quiet. Then you look upstairs, they're like, oh, and they've been painting the entire, <laughs> the, the naughtiest facial expression. They looked so naughty, like they've been caught. Was that famous, that really famous, um, that really famous video from years ago where the two 
two little boys get found in the shower and they're both covered in paint. That's exactly. And the dad's trying to tell them off, but he can't stop laughing because it's hilarious. <laughs> and then the kids get a sense that it's actually funny and they think, okay, we're, we're going to be out of trouble here. And, he's, and he's, he's really trying to tell them off. Well, that's how, I mean, I'm not, I'm obviously, I'm not laughing by fans, but I must, I must admit, I did laugh at, at that expression when I just thought, you've obviously been tinkering and now the tinkering is so bad that everyone's paying attention. Yeah. Everyone's paying attention. I think, and rightly so, because that this game, it was 1-0. Let's just look at the football. It was 1-0, but the moment the equaliser came and the intensity with which they attacked, like those two penalties were so interesting because it just basically came from just the breakdown and the desperation because mm. Leipzig just poured on the press so aggressively. Marco Rosa, credit to him because it looks like he might finally have a chance of winning a title for Dortmund, oh, <laughs> which is ironic. Wow. Well, if we're going to, you know. Wow. You know, the prophecy came true. The prince, it was promised. Um, that, is, that might be the sassiest thing you've said this season. <laughs> Sorry. Well, like, he is a brilliant coach um, and Leipzig obviously was not an ideal destination for him, but he's turned it around. But for the fact that he was a, a darling, Michael Rosa, do you know what I mean? And, and, and obviously Leipzig is very much regarded as many parts as kind of the evil empire, right? So he went there and it wasn't for him. For him to like lean into that role, I think was not ideal in terms of how he's perceived. Yeah, but he had that history at Salzburg as well, so I think he's he's already dabbled in the uh... yeah the dark arts, you know, as as perceived as perceived. So, yeah. but for him to go there and just remind run over sorry for him to go there and just remind everyone what an outstanding coach he is. Yeah, man, he's a really football good coach. of this football of this quality at the Allianz in a game that Bayern absolutely had to win. I mean, it's 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 a remarkable achievement. So, but Dortmund have to beat Mainz at home. Mites have been not very good in the last few games. Yeah, but but it's Mites. But it's Mites exactly. And look, I I do not I do not believe for one moment that Mites won't be trying their absolute best in that last game. No, I mean, Prom yeah, for, Mites, Mites, Mites last victory was actually against Bayern. From for Bayern, of course, is Bayern, Bayern are going to Köln, mm. and Köln stayed up a while ago, but yeah. I think they're going to be locked in. Because yeah, they, if there's anyone who's going to like want to really, really dude, they, they are hammer the nail in it. the title coffin, it'll be Cologne. Yeah, dude, I've got a friend who's not even from there, and he's like, I'm considering going there. Yeah. A German friend, he's like, just for the energy. Like, yeah. That is somebody who's not even emotionally invested in the result. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I stuck in an accreditation request for for the Dortmund game, re- rejected straight away. They're just like, no, we shan't. <laughs> no chance. Like we are, we are absolutely full. Speaking of Dortmund. Three second half goals, two from Sebastian Aller and a stoppage time clincher for Julian Brandt mm. won them a game against Augsburg that they thoroughly deserved. They dominated. Uh, Felix Odekai got sent off. Slightly um, harsh, ready. Uh, I can see why it was, yeah. One of those deliberate challenge, not for the ball, bringing down the player outside the box. One of those, if it's in the box, it's a yellow, right? If it's outside mm. the box, it's a red. Right. Uh, one of those, like, you know, it was I technically get it, correct. But it's yes, not, yes. It's, a, it's a spiritual yellow. Augsburg had a lot to play for as well. To give them yeah. credit, they were at home and they desperately needed those points to stay up. So there was going to be a lot of talk about, oh, choking Dortmund. Well, Dortmund broke through after an hour mm. against an Augsburg team of 10 men against whom they'd been statistically dominant. But Augsburg have long been a tricky customer, not only for Dortmund, but in the Bundesliga generally. So yeah. the context of this win was that Dortmund kept playing their football. Yeah. You didn't see them like with this slashing the ball high and wide. You just saw them patiently making the play. Julian Brandt again, who got the decisive goal, who deserves so much credit here. But what I love for Ale, not just with what he's come back from, right? Oh. Two operations and all of that. And, you know, cancer, like basically <laughs> interrupting not only his season, but, you know, threatening to take his life. Mm. To come back from all of that, and I just loved him scoring the old school, the opening goal. His first goal a, was so good. Dude, that's old school number nine. Such a good finish as well, though. Just Loved that for him. Had no, one of those, he had no right. He had Absolutely. no right to yeah. score from that angle. Yeah. But it's Sebastian Allo, he has, he, has he has the right. Old school, man. I loved, loved to see yeah. it. Um, um, if, yeah, we'll, we'll, I reckon we'll save more of the Bundesliga stuff for next weekend because... Uh, with Wrighty's house doing most yes. of the Premier League aftermath, maybe Stadio can cover the rest of it. And we, oh, if Dortmund do it, man, we're going to have a lot to talk about. We will. One quick thing on 
uh, Bundesliga before we go. We just yeah. have to mention very quickly that Hertha have gone down. Hertha finally have not managed to yeah. get out of trouble like they usually do. There's a last minute um, concession against uh, Bochum. They were 1-0 mm. up and then Bochum scored in the final seconds to send Hertha down. And you saw a couple of players just collapsing to their knees. Um, not only when Bochum scored, but also again at the final whistle. So that psychologically, emotionally has been a very draining season for Hertha players, Hertha fans. Mm. Um, you know, Hertha fans deserve a, a better spectacle and a better yeah. one club. I mean, even if they had won, I mean, the, the best they could have really done was um, getting into the, the playoff, really. Yeah, yeah the relegation. Because playoff. of the goal difference. Yeah, so, but a lot to think about Hertha. Change yeah. of ownership, a bit of a roller coaster few years. The much famed big city club talk investment did not work. That experiment was not successful at all. Mm. And, um, I'm a little bit concerned about Hertha. I think they'll, I think, I don't think we'll see them, for example, like vanish or drop down another league. I just think that they have to, they have to get their stuff in order quick. Mm. They have to sell a lot of that squad that's on a lot of money. They have to figure out the, the coaching situation long-term because Pal Dardai cannot keep coming back Mm. and helping them out. And I think also they've got, they've got to figure out this stadium issue that they want to do. I mean, are they going to do it? Are they not? Are they going to find a location? Are they not? There's a lot, man. There's a lot to figure out for Hertha. Um, just quickly before we move on from Germany, like we shout out Darmstadt, who are back in the Bundesliga. Oh, wow. Automatic promotion. And they've, they've done really well because they dropped out of the Bundesliga and went down to the Dritter Liga and then came back up. Um, so, brilliant news for Darmstadt. They've been brilliant in this fight of this season. Uh, and I'm excited to see them back in the Bundesliga. So Where they deserve to be. Anything else in the Bundesliga you want to shout? Oh, maybe Hoffenheim beating uh, Union, which has thrown Union and Freiburg into a final day of the season, straight shootout for the Champions League. Uh, Union host Werder Bremen uh, and Freiburg go to Eintracht. So you'd say that uh, Freiburg have the tougher of the two fixtures. Yeah, I would say yeah, significantly. On paper anyway. On paper, yes. Um, And... uh, uh, Bayer Leverkusen drew with Gladbach inexplicable <laughs> which meant that they will have to wait until next week to see if they've secured Europa League and they were strolling it or two League, terrible self-inflicted defensive errors yeah. uh, um, Chabi Alonso just looked absolutely bemused I know it's like I've, I've got, almost like I've got no part in this but can we just have a, another reminder for the fact that they are sixth in the Bundesliga. Javi Alonso has done an incredible, a spectacular incredible job, a job spectacular in his debut job. season in senior yeah, yeah. management. Yeah. Um, before we go to the Premier League, do you want to shout out Serie A really quickly? Because Olivier Giroud got his first ever hat-trick for Milan. That's wild. His first yeah. ever. Uh, they beat uh, Sampdoria 5-1. They absolutely hammered them. Mm. Um, any other results you want to shout out? Napoli? It's Napoli 3-1 over. I mean, it's difficult to assess that because it's, again, not the most... Um, it's a deceptive result because the goals came late, the winners came late for Napoli. Mm. Um, and also into, I'm not saying it's a post-qualification hangover, but it's very tough to, to assess a team that has had the emotional high of just getting to Champions League final mm. against the team whose hangover has worn off. Like Napoli are back, Napoli are back in the saddle. I don't think Inter are, so it's hard to assess this result fairly. Yeah. What I will say for Inter is, Inter really needed the points in this game. Yeah. And the worst possible League. thing might happen Man City is that staying in the Champions League is the only way that Inter can prevail. So Inter actually have to win, will have to win the final. That That's the scenario that Pep doesn't want. Inter. Yeah, so for those who are, who are unaware, basically Inter host Atalanta on the final day of the season, Milan go to Juve. There's two points gap between them at the moment. Inter in fourth, Milan in fifth. And um, so yeah, for example, a defeat for Inter and a win for Milan will put Milan in next season's Champions League by the league. A point will do it for Inter though because their goal difference is vastly mm. superior. So, oof. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go down to the wire, man. Fascinating. Um, just a quick shout for PSG who all but clinched Liga. Mm. Six points clear, two games to go. Uh, they have a 16 goal difference over Lens who are in second. When Mbappe scored the opening goal against Ozer, um <laughs> The body language of surrounding PSG players is interesting. There was like, <laughs> we're not excited about this at all. <laughs> it was just very interesting to be like, yeah, um, yeah, great. Won a off against Isaiah, great. It was like, okay, 
<laughs> then we wanted the Champions League. Extremely, yeah, it's extremely interesting. Yeah. Uh, anything else around Europe you want to shout, or shall we take I a think break? We do Premier League. Yeah, take a break. Then Premier League. Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm back with the Premier League. Manchester City were champions without kicking the ball because well. <laughs> Arsenal did the most Arsenal thing at this latter stage of the season and lost 1-0 away at Forest. Against the team that needed needed, needed to, to stay up. up. And I th- can I just say that I think Forrest were brilliant. Really well organised. Actually quite similar in the way that they played against City in that draw when City went there. Yes, but, which Gundogan mentioned is the turning point of the season. Yeah, and I mean actually... Gundogan mentioned this it. Is, I, I, obviously there was a lot of uh, hashtag narrative flying around this weekend, but I weirdly didn't... How, how can I explain it? I didn't really feel it was that deep. I think that the team who are second in the league, who were probably not going to win the league anyway, and actually, even with all of the changes that Man City made against Chelsea, they still would have wrapped it up on Sunday anyway. Um, going to a place where they needed to stay in the league, they're at home, the crowd were absolutely incredible at the City ground. That is not an easy place to go. And to be fair, <laughs> to be fair Martin Erdegaard gives the ball away for the first goal, but the rest of it is a little bit kind of like, it's a bit scruffy. It's not really like, no no disrespect to, to Morgan Gibbs-White or Taiwo Iwani, but it wasn't like they absolutely sat everyone down and sliced Arsenal open. It was just one of those goals. They got the goal and they, they defended really, really well for the rest of the game and were really good value for the three points. Arsenal looked kind of done there was the only thing that I think was a bit of a criticism is that I think Mikel Arteta has got some selections and substitutions a little bit wrong in the last few weeks I think that's right and I think that this was probably the wrong time to try something a little bit weird and this also um, when you hear about some of the transfer targets that Arsenal have been linked with even just already in the last yeah. like, few days it really strikes you that that Arteta did maximise I think for the most part who he was working with yeah, I agree. But I think, I think if, you, if you look at like who they're talking about bringing in, you're like, oh, okay, oh, that person, that position, you're like, okay, that, that's a big upgrade. So actually, yeah, he's brought a lot out of that particular individual. Um, yeah, but I think- Can we just say a massive congratulations to Steve Cooper and I Forrest? Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm really pleased that they're staying in the league. For Cooper's achievement, there's almost no precedent. You talk about a coach of the year award, what he's done almost exists in his own category because I can't think of a, a coach who's ever had to bring in this number of players, this turnover. You know, we saw what it did to Chelsea. We saw the effect of bringing a huge number of players at Chelsea and the turnover. Cooper has somehow managed to establish some consistency, some team spirit, some community in addressing room of ever-changing individuals. And he's kept them up. And mm-hmm. like, there, is, there is an argument that he is in a coach of the year conversation. I, I, I just think what he's done is remarkable and, and kind of unique wherever he ends up in that voting. Um, so yeah, congratulations to Forrest and especially to Cooper. And just mm. really happy to see on a personal note, RNE thriving because it hasn't the easiest year. Um, yeah. But to see him score that decisive goal at the end of a year, like having come from Union where he really made a name, he really had a breakout season for Union Berlin last year. Mm. So yeah, I'm just really happy for those two individuals at, at Forrest in particular, I'd say. Um, so City have done it. They one or they, yeah. they, that side they put out against Chelsea was I'm, I'm not going to lie a bit of a flex <laughs> because they still had Julian Alvarez starting and he goes and scores in what 12th minute yeah and yeah. basically bar the odd few periods that Chelsea had City were more than in control mm. the bench of John Stones Erling Haaland Kevin De Bruyne Rodri Jack Grealish Bernardo Silva Ilkay Gundogan Ruben Diaz Edison That's was probably I think just the biggest flex of the season from Pep. I mean, that's still a great team they put out. That's still a brilliant... It's a really good team, man. And there's <laughs> some... The thing that's really... Like that back three of Laporte, Akanji, Walker, 
Um, you know, Calvin Phillips coming into midfield, Rico Lewis in there, Phil Foden comes in, Maris starts, uh, Cole Palmer, who's a really, really highly rated youngster, Alvarez up front. <laughs> Can I just say as well, like the brilliance of Akanji, like... Akanji's been brilliant. Don't, don't get me wrong, Akanji, always a very good defender, but the ceiling that I thought he had when I saw him at Dortmund, mm. he just shattered what I thought his ceiling was. I'm not going to lie. I think, I thought he was, no, I thought he was a very good defender, don't get me wrong, his best, but he shattered what I thought yeah. he could do when I saw him at Dortmund. And that's, that's on him primarily, but also on, Pep, also on Pep. Yeah, but I mean, this is the thing that we've talked about, obviously, like we were saying that, the, you know, it's a weird thing at the moment with the Premier League because you essentially have the, the person who's the head of the organisation who's essentially charged you with 115 alleged, um, what's the word? Naughty breaches, things yeah, with finance. Yeah. Breaches of finance. <laughs> Naughty things. <laughs> breaches of finances. But then he's, he's, he's giving you the medals for the, to- for the competition that you just won that they're charging you for the breaches of. So it's all this very yeah, super strange, confusing yeah. thing. And, yeah. and obviously the discourse is, is, uh, is, is out of control. But there's a, there's a serious conversation to be had there. And I feel that the Premier League is entering quite an interesting time where you know, they're talk- they were talking about this on Match of the Day and Match of the Day 2. And it's, mm. I think this season feels like the first time, and I might be wrong, but it feels like the first time that Stuff like ownership models have been, yeah. The fourth wall has really been broken. Kind of the fourth wall has been broken this year. Yeah, sure. yeah. And I mean, we talked about the charges when they happened. And I feel like it's it's weird that that kind of because the the, the stuff with UEFA mm. seemed to be a lot more under the radar. Yes, than the stuff with the Premier League has right. been. Right. Um. There's a directness to this conversation that we yeah for seen sure. Before. But in a massively long-winded way, what I was trying to talk about was a kanji because uh, we've also talked about how, you know, that structure allows you to get someone like Pep and build everything around like almost like lab-like conditions so that the variables become fewer and fewer and fewer. Mm. However, you take Manuel Akanji and for example, even with Eric Ten Hag, you put him at Manchester United or you, took, you put him at Arsenal this season or you put him at Chelsea or you put him at Spurs, he doesn't have that season. Because he's not coached in that way yet. He doesn't. And that is the thing that is, you know, we've seen very, very well-funded Man City sides not get over the line. And I think we even said this on the stadio, it's like, that's actually a sign of how good top-level football is with the fact that teams can kind of hang with them, even with Pep, Mm. let alone without Pep. I mean, without Pep, maybe you can understand it a little bit more, but with Pep, he is that final... He's the only man, yeah, and I've said that we had a long chat about this yesterday, me and some friends, and I said, he's just the only manager I can think of who can take elite talent, mm. elite talent, and add like even 30% to someone's game. I, yeah. I've never seen anything like this. I, and the thing I would say about Gundogan, I, I know I praised him before in the last couple of podcasts, but I want to say it again. The players electing him their captain and him being the captain of that team it's so interesting because you see his actual, his ethos is throughout that team. Like it's no drama. There's so many big personalities in that team and like people that speak out and like egos, but on the top of it all, to have him at the top of the pyramid as someone who's like, we're going to go in, we're going to execute the tactics, we're going to do it like that. And it's just so like, he takes all the drama out. So in the middle of all of this conversation, all of this discourse, Gundogan is in there. And this is interesting because the players them subconsciously, they know what they need as well. Mm. They know they need someone to take the noise, and the drama out of everything. And you've got this guy there. And I was, and I joke about this in the group. I've said this before, but what Gundogan was on, what he was being paid compared to other people that dressed <laughs> yeah. is an actual yeah. joke. And if you look at Gundogan's paid compared to everyone else in that dressing room, and that basically, like, even at that level of the Premier League, it's kind of a joke. Hey, listen, I don't want to make joke of uh, financial breaches, a- alleged financial breaches, but you know, maybe they've just come up with some creative ways to. Oh my god. <laughs> Good a hundred year, t- year contract. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He actually has the we cannot replace him in his contract. But they, they actually, well, the interesting for them is... They um, will probably be able to. Yeah, because they've replaced players that we've never thought they'd be able to replace as quickly. You know? Yeah, yeah. So he, he you know, so City win the title in a style that is... The, the inevitability that they summoned in the last few months ah, was down, was down yeah. I think, in large part to people like Gundogan leading that, steering that. Um, Dude, we, so we, we did to- podcasts earlier this season. Sorry to come. We did podcasts this season where we were like, the city that we're seeing now mm. doesn't look like the kind of Manchester city that can go on that run. I remember saying it. Yeah, and it was and right. It was that, correct. And it, it was they correct. didn't at the time. And that's the thing that like they coached, 
Pep coached and switched that team. They had, like, he lit a bit of a fire underneath it. You know, when he was doing those interviews, they were like, like we needed a little bit more. The, the players got, got amongst themselves to do it and they kick-started that season. He won every fight that he picked, which is not inevitable at a big club. Yeah. Um, the the uh, Cancelo situation, that was extraordinary. To lose Cancelo mm. at that time and to go to a direct competitor in Bayern, uh, he picked a fight with the fans. He kind yeah, of had a run-in with De Bruyne and with Walker. He went, he fired a lot of shots, Pep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that all apart from everything off the field because we have to talk about that too. Yeah, I mean, on the field... Best team in the league this season. Yeah, yeah. And they won the league, especially since February. Best team in the league. Yeah, that's right. Um, Just quickly elsewhere in the Premier League, shouts to Brentford for being Spurs 3-1 away. Brentford's second half, Thomas Frank mentioned it as well. He said their best performance away this season. They They were so good. Because Spurs had a lot of the running early on, actually. Yeah. Um, But by the end, Brentford were dominant. Really, really good. Manchester United being Bournemouth 1-0 away. Yeah, great Lovely goal, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Reminiscent of... uh, he saw Gundogan's last week and he was like, yeah, but how about doing it in mid-air on the move? I mean, yes. Well, this is... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I see you. It's like when, uh, when, it's like when rappers just keep dropping, like they're actually battling through their own releases. Oh, they dropped another single in response to this this week. You're like, Gundogan next week is going to do the same thing, but maybe like overhead. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know I mean? Looking, or it's like one of those TikToks that people just keep adding to. Bit by bit. <laughs> uh, Fulham drawing two with Palace. It was a really fun game, this, actually. Uh, Joel Ward's got his first goal for, like, four years, apparently, I think it was. Shout out to Roy Hodgson, like, just making Crystal Palace so much fun in these recent games. Goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bobby Firmino, it can only be, getting a late equaliser for Liverpool in his final home game. That was incredible. Oh, you, you, I'd say you couldn't write it, but you could. That whole reception he got, unreal. And actually, a long chat about sacrifice. It, We've probably done this already, but have we done a sacrifice 11? Oh, a well, team, of, an 11 of players that basically like without whose sacrifice, their teams don't become what they become. To be honest, Firmino in that set of gifts. <laughs> There'd be a lot of Liverpool players in the last five years. <laughs> yeah, to go, yeah, Milner too, like to go there with yeah. that set of gifts, to go to yeah. a club. And actually Wijnaldum, you look at Wijnaldum, what he's capable of, his skill set mm-hmm. and the role he actually played at Liverpool and how much he held himself in compared to what he can really do. Like there's a lot of, I think, yeah, we should do a sacrifice 11 of yeah. players who, Players who are spectacularly gifted, but without them actually taking a backseat or sometimes even a backseat, like even somebody don't see at all. Like players that actually set back so much that without that, their clubs, their teams don't become what they are. And Firmino yeah. is absolutely a starting member of that 11. Yeah. 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 Incredible what uh, he did at Liverpool. An incredible late equaliser for Yerry Mina. <laughs> oh my goodness, 99 minutes. Mean, and because of Leeds' defeat... call it Qatar time, shouldn't we? Oh you know, like oh, Qatar, wow. and he's 10 minutes there. Qatar time, yeah, yeah. And because of Leeds' defeat at West Ham on Sunday, it means that uh, Everton basically, they just need to better Leeds' result. Mm. Um, we're recording this ahead of Leicester's game against Newcastle, at Newcastle. And uh, finally, Brighton beating Southampton 3-1. Um, Brighton Brighton up and down at the moment, but they've secured European football, which yeah, has been an unbelievable big. achievement. And we will talk more in detail in the kind of season debrief about Brighton because yes. we have really, we loved the De Zerbi appointment. Unlike, let's say, some extremely loud British pundits <laughs> who were like... <laughs> who got extremely quiet. What do you know about the Premier League? Turns out quite a lot. <laughs> and uh, he's already changed the Premier League, Roberto De Zerbi. He's been here a matter of months. Yeah. Talking of rappers, actually, De Zerbi's not bitter because a lot of MCs would have been like, he stole my flow. He stole my he flow. Stole- but it's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of other teams have seen De Zerbi's flow and stolen it, but still. I reckon that's good for us today, huh? I think we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're gonna be a, don't forget to check Wright's House on Tuesday. Stadio back on Thursday. Go check Counterpressed today. Yes. Oh, I've got a visitor. Who's that? <gasps> Is it family? Do you want to come say hi? Oh, amazing. Uh, I got my, my nephew's coming to say hi. Look, say hi. Do you want to come say hi to Musa? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, how's it going, my man? Do you think Manchester City are going to win the treble? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. The official. My nephew says that Manchester City are going to win the treble. There yeah, we got to go. Do you want to say anything before you go? Yeah. Is that it? You're just going to say yeah? He's just going to say, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to check the Stadio Out Just Plays on Spotify. I'm speaking of which, playing out on King Sporty and The Extras, a track called Rock Attack. Uh, anything you want to add, Musa Okwongo? Listen, how can I follow that? 
delightful nephew. How can I follow that? <laughs> All right, everyone. Much love. We'll be back with you on Thursday. <laughs> See you then. Stop.